The Cincinnati Reds got themselves a good one in J. Mark Candelario, and we are going to look at just what he brings to the table for the Reds in 2024. I know he was an under he was a very unexpected signing, but this roster is so much better with him. And we are going to tell you why on today's Locked On Reds. You are locked on Reds. Your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, your daily source for all things Cincinnati Reds. I'm Stephen Offenbaker, and he's Jeff Carr, and we love baseball. We love these Cincinnati Reds. We have taken that love of the game. We have taken that love for the Cincinnati Reds, and we have turned it in to information for you. Locked on Reds is part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And on today's live Aloha Friday on a Thursday edition of the Locked on Reds podcast, we are going to be taking a look at what J. Mark Candelario brings to the Reds for 2024 and beyond. We're also going to dig into the new rules changes that were announced moments ago by Major League Baseball. We're also going to dig into your questions and comments on today's live show. There is a lot of ground to cover, and we are excited to do it. Before we get into any of that, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets back with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks back in bonus bets if your team wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. And Jeff, where we're going to get started today is talking about J. Mark Candelario. Now, when this signing went down, it caught us all by surprise. We were all hung up on they need an outfielder. They need a starting pitcher. And of course, they go and get an infielder. And everybody had a little glitch for a minute when that happened. And we, we kind of all pushed the what is Nick Crawl doing button. And right. now that there's been some time for it to set and we looked at it and we spent a lot of time earlier today looking at what this Reds roster could look like, looking at what the Reds batting order, the lineup could look like day to day. Um, and it turns out that he fits kind of nicely uh, when everybody's healthy in 100%. And if just one person is not healthy in 100%, well, having him around is a tremendous advantage, I think, for the Reds now as we get closer and closer and closer to spring training 2024. Yeah, and we've talked quite a bit about how the roster moves with him on it. What we really wanted to do today is kind of focus on who he is as a player, talk about his profile and really what is his strength. And the good news is his strength is bringing in the runs. Dude can absolutely drive in runs his batting uh is is kind of his calling card he's fine defensively he's not gonna hurt you but he's not gonna contend for any kind of gold glove he's not really that fast on the base paths he's not gonna be a guy that we're talking about getting 20 steals or 15 steals or i don't even think he's gonna get like 10 uh, he's he's going to be fine on the base pass but he's not fast what he does is hit and he hits really well, we start off with this because, I mean, you can see the batting average. You can see the on base and all this other stuff. The thing that really excites me about him, and it's something that I've I've seen a couple of people comparing to a beloved former Red, and not necessarily in the same vein, but he gives you the kind of feeling of Nick Castellanos because he hits line drives. In fact, for his career, Jamer Candelario actually has a higher percentage of line drives than he does fly balls. He's very good at driving the ball into all parts of the field. He's not just a you know straight pool guy or something like that. He is very good at kind of 
putting them in the good spots, putting them in the gaps, and driving in multiple runs and, and extra bases and all that good stuff. So he is going to profile very well in the, the fifth, sixth spot in this lineup. And this was a great ad simply just by looking at him in a vacuum. I, I, I agree with you. Listen, I, I like this signing. The more and more I look at it, here's a couple things about him that really jump out at me. The, the fact that he's a switch hitter that, that really doesn't have a lot of drop off. If you look at his career numbers, there's a little bit of a separation in his splits, but looking at what he did last year uh, with his, uh, his, Good grief. Can't talk today, Jeff. With his switch hitting, uh, there's not a lot of, of variation. Uh, batting average versus righties of 251, uh, on base 333, slugging 479. He hit 16 home runs versus right handed pitching. Uh, versus the lefties, uh, actually a better batting average at 254, a better on base percentage at 342. Now, slugging dropped off a little bit. He was 451 for slugging and only hit six home runs, but a smaller amount of at bats. So, there's not a lot of drop off there. I think a true switch hitter that you can count on being in the lineup every day, no matter who's going for the opposing team. And I think, you know, we talked about this a little bit earlier today that that brings some stability to this lineup where guys can kind of just show up and know at least for the most part, what they're going to be doing, where they're going to be batting, not necessarily what position they're going to be playing. I think that will change from day to day. But that batting order has uh, the makings of a stable, not the same lineup every day, but close, that will give everybody a little bit of comfort, I think. And I think he kind of falls into the consistent uh, producer category, kind of the Spencer Steer category. We always, we talked about Spencer Steer kind of being an unsung hero. I don't necessarily know that there's going to be a lot of episodes where we are just standing up on a table going crazy over something that Jammer Candelario just did. But I think that what he's going to do is be a consistent bat in the middle of this lineup that you're not going to look at and says there's any clear weaknesses We're we're not going to be super worried about him. He does struggle a little bit against breaking balls, but he understands that. And he's a pretty solid plate discipline guy. He's right there around league average when it comes to strikeout percentage. So you're not adding another strikeout uh, machine. I mean, that's something that we have kind of complained about, about some of these young guys, but we know that they will improve on Jamie Candelaria does not add to that problem. He's right there where you want him to be. So when you add all of that together, you come up with a really consistent hitter. And I think that's been the theme of this offseason. We talked a lot about the starting pitcher that we want the Reds to add. We want a consistent arm that's going to be there for 30 starts. Well, this is like the position player version of that. Jamer Candelario is the kind of guy that I think is going to be there when the Reds need him to be. And that is really the number one thing with us. Plus, and we've buried the lead with this, Jamer Candelario was actually rated by MLB.com as the 13th best free agent in this class. And that's including pitchers. That's just overall 13th best player in the free agent market. The Reds went and got a top 15 guy, Steve. I mean, we got to be pretty happy about that. No, I, I completely ag agree with that. And we don't normally jump to the questions and comments uh, this early in the show, but I'm gonna for this Candelario conversation. Uh, Jared says, don't get me wrong. I like the Candelario signing, but I see his 2022 statistics and it gives me a little something to worry about. Can you guys make me feel better and say that it was a fluke? Well, this is what I know. In 2023, he was a 2.9 war guy. And in his career, he's already amassed 10.3 in war. That tells me he's consistently putting up war every year. Even though the 2022 numbers may not excite you, I think over the duration of his contract in Cincinnati, he will continue to be around 
2.5 to 3.5 in war. And, and that's a guy that I want to have on the team. Well, and if you're going to zero in on 2022, let me even take it a step further and say 2021, according to fan graphs, he was a 3.8 war guy, almost a four win player. You're talking all-star level uh, kind of performances at that point. So in 2021 and 2023 combined, he was almost at seven wins above replacement in those two seasons. So yes, 2022 looks a little bit rough, but when you add in the two seasons that kind of sandwich that together, he looked fine. And I think that's who he's going to be. We, we're probably looking at a two and a half to three win guy. And that's a great ad for this Reds team. I, and I think too, that when we we initially saw this signing. We we immediately thought, boy, he's going to be pushing somebody, right? He's going to be blocking somebody. Somebody's not going to get playing time now because of this. The idea is to win ballgames. At the end of the day, does Jamer Candelario make this team a playoff team by himself? No. But when you put him all into the category, when you put him all into this roster and you categorize different players as to how they're going to help this team, this is a huge add for Nick Kroll, adding to the depth of the position side where we're really, I mean, that depth was tested last year. Even though we got the the really awesome rookies and stuff like that, early on in the season, we saw that when you don't have those guys in the lineup, you, you got the Kevin Newmans of the world. I'd much rather have Jamer Candelario in the lineup than Kevin Newman. And, and and let's not forget that it does create a scenario where there is now some flexibility for Nick Crawl to make a deal to bring in that pitcher that the Reds lack mm -hmm. or to make a, a trade deadline move and utilize some of the depth to bring something back that the Reds might need, be it an outfielder, be it a starting pitcher. You know, we keep talking about this, this Jonathan India situation and will they, won't they trade him? Uh, it at least creates the flexibility to do so. If you, if you listen to the episode earlier today, and if you didn't shame on you, why haven't you? As soon as this is done, get over there, listen to that. But we drew up a potential lineup that really does kind of demonstrate how Jonathan India, while not being completely the odd man out, um, could be getting nudged towards the door. A little bit right. you can kind of see that by looking at the roster and the and the lineups that we created so this kind of does give that flexibility it gives it gives options and i think in a 162 game season where you don't know what's going to happen we've seen the injury bug bite time and time again what the reds needed more than anything else is flexibility and options and it not be options of guys you've never heard of coming up from triple a uh playing for a day not being able to field a ground ball at third base i'm looking at you modder you modder <laughs> and then getting sent back down so these are the kind of situations the Reds need to avoid. And, and I think this signing helps them do that in the long term, not just for 2024, but beyond this is a multi-year deal. Yeah. And, and I think that that is really where the big picture of Jamer Candelario is. And that's why we are so excited about him. Roster flexibility. And in a good way, we, we talked about this on there on today's episode earlier in that, you know, platoons and all that other stuff. It kind of felt like, uh, you, you know, David Bell had to platoon everybody because there were so many deficiencies. Now this lineup has so many strengths and these, and the roster has so many strengths that David Bell can draw from. And Jamer Candelario is a big reason why this roster has a lot more strengths. So I'm very excited that he is in the fold. You know, Steve, right before we uh, hit uh, go live here today, like literally seconds away. That's why the start time changed. We yeah, had to we, go read what the rules changes, right? <laughs> like, wait a minute. What's this stuff? We got new rules, new, new rule changes, new rule tweaks, a couple of things that are changing for this next season that the MLB competition committee just confirmed. 
So we're going to dive into what those are coming up next. Before we talk about that, though, I want to tell you about today's sponsor, and that is FanDuel. Now is the best time because, baby, it's cold outside. But the deals continue to stay hot with FanDuel. They've got this amazing promo deal now. If you join and you place a $5 money line bet that wins, you're going to get $150 in bonus bets just for that $5 winning money line bet. You got to go try it right now. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and join in on the action. I love doing FanDuel so many different ways when you come into NFL, NBA, and you've got point spreads and player props, the same game parlay. If I just sit down and I turn on the television and I watch a game, you can put together a same game parlay, turn that game into a little bit of cash for you. So check it out at FanDuel.com slash locked on today. We looked at some futures and we've been talking about this the last couple of days. The Reds, a couple of pitchers on the Cy Young odds list. They're pretty far down the list, obviously, for different reasons. But Hunter Green is up top with 40 to 1 odds to win the Cy Young Award. Then you've got Nicoladolo and Graham Ash, or sorry, Nicoladolo and Andrew Abbott at 120 to 1 to win the Cy Young. I think I saw Graham Ashcraft, it was like 160 to 1 or something like that. But yeah, they're there. They have a shot. Could win a couple of bucks, though, if you place something on there. I mean, $1 get 120 bucks if Nicoladola wins the Cy Young. So check that out today. It's at FanDuel.com slash locked on and join in on the action again. $5 money, money line bet that wins gets you $150 in bonus bets back. FanDuel is an official sports betting partner of the NFL and the official sports book of Locked On. Thanks as always for making Lockdown Reds your first listen, your second listen every single day. Got a nice little bonus live Aloha Friday on a Thursday here today with you as the holiday weekends messed up the schedule all, but we wanted to do some live Reds talk with you. And we were going to talk about, I'm sure we'll talk about some free agent options and some free agent ideas coming up here later on when you guys drive the ship. But right as we hit record, Jesse Rogers from ESPN tweeted out new MLB competition committee approves changes for the 2024 season. And a couple of these are interesting because, you know, last year the pitch clock was a rousing success. I know I loved it. I know Steve loved it. There was a little bit of, you know, well, when you're at the ballpark, it kind of makes it like you feel like you miss a lot if you go get something to eat or something like that. But outside of that, it was a rousing success there shortening that uh, with runners on base now instead of a 20 second pitch clock there's now an 18 second pitch clock which by the way also means that the batter has less time to you know in between pitches and stuff like that but still 18 second pitch clock with runners on base now there's only four mound visits in a game instead of five if a pitcher, this one's, we're, we're going to unpack these a little bit more, but these last two, I think we'll probably spend the most time on. If a pitcher starts to warm up before an inning, he must face at least one hitter. Now, if that also goes in with the other rule, if you face one hitter, you got to face three. So why'd they put one hitter? Because you're going to have to face three if you come into the ballgame. Anyway, and then the runner's lane to first has been widened to the infield grass. Your first thoughts on these, Steve, because, I mean, these are fresh. There's still kind of like trying to work around in my mind like, okay, interesting. Let me try and process through a few of these, and I'm sure my thoughts will evolve as I have time to actually sit down and, and do a little analysis. But just, you know, gut reaction to some of these. One, I'll be very interested to hear what the pitchers think 
about even more time being shaved off what they get to work with. I know there were complaints already about how this was causing more arm injuries and they felt like they weren't getting time to recover between pitches and et cetera, et cetera. And now we're shaving two more seconds off with runners on. So uh, I'll be interested to see how pitchers react to that with the, the warm-up rule is an interesting one to me because I wonder if, you know, we've got the three batter minimum rule, but does, is the competition committee trying to backdoor in a rule uh, for a loogie again? If you warm up the guy between innings and you've got a lefty that you want to just face that next lefty because you warmed him up between innings, can he only face the one batter? I need an interpretation. I'm going to be, I'm going to be looking to hear what their intention with this is, because if that's the intention, then I hate it. Then just get rid of the, the three batter minimum rule. Uh, I don't quite understand why this needed to be done. Uh, but then again, I don't understand half of what uh, major league baseball does in the, in the national arena of anything that they do. So uh, that, to me, uh, is a question that needs to be answered. And then finally, on the base running thing, I think that's an interesting one. Uh, it, it's not a huge change. You know, this is basically going to allow batters to run anywhere in the dirt between home plate and first base. Fine. Um, it does impact the catchers. It's going to mean if you feel a, a ground ball or a little a bunt right out in front of home plate, you're going to need to take an extra step into the infield fully before you make the throw to first base to avoid hitting the runner. So... I, I think this is because more runners were getting hit. Uh, you know, I don't have that data in front of me again. This just happened, but I feel like it's a response to that. Uh, and then obviously a, a catcher could always take a drop step and throw into foul territory down the first baseline to avoid the runner as well. So um, it's going to require some changes to how the catcher plays that position. Um, that's interesting. Uh, but I, a couple of these, I don't, I don't get, I don't understand. I don't, I don't so, know why they felt compelled to make these changes. So you're taking it literally as in if you announce, if you put somebody in the bullpen, you warm them up in between innings or while your team is batting, then you are announcing to the other team he's coming in and he's pitching against one hitter the next inning. It's not, you don't think it's something where like the rule states, all right, if you start to warm the guy up, you got to bring him in. Well, now he is subject to the three pit the three batter minimum. So he's got to pitch for three batters. You think that if, if, if somebody is being warmed up before their half the inning of pitching, they get to only, they can use him as a loogie. They can only pitch him for one guy. Well, and, and the question is, do they have to face the first batter of the inning or do they have to face a batter? in the inning mm -hmm. because what if you yeah. want him to get the final what if you're looking three hitters down the lineup and hoping that you get the first two and and you want him to face that lefty i i don't know i'm not sure uh I, again this is just is breaking raw news and i but i think i think it might be a little bit more more nuanced than just here it is i i, I want to hear some explanation which we will get i'm sure throughout the day uh, i'm just curious you know what it we, means we, when do they have to come into the game we know for certain, though. I mean, with Rob Manfred, nothing is nothing is black and white, and nothing is right there in front of you as, as we might think it to be. And it's interesting because I just saw that uh, Jeff Passan tweeted Tony Clark, uh, the director of the Players Association, his response to it, and basically Tony Clark, in so many you know, in a paragraph, said these these are fixing problem or these are solutions to uh, uh, that are in search of problems. Uh, there are no problems right now that these are fixing. There you go. So. It's interesting to me. I don't know. Like the the runner the runner rule like to be honest with you, I don't know what that solves. I don't know that there were any issues with that. Like was there a guy on the infield side of 
the uh, of of the foul line, but he was still in the dirt and he was called out for being. I, I've never seen that before, um, so I don't know what that solves. And then the warming up in between innings because it feels like if you're just watching the 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 course of a game. If a manager is bringing in a guy to warm up while somebody's hitting, that means that he's done with the pitcher who pitched this this last inning. Like, I really have not seen too many examples of, you know, say David Bell putting Ian Jabot up in the bullpen and the pitcher has just thrown six innings or something like that so that he's warming up while the Reds are hitting and then the Reds come back out that next inning and he leaves in the starter. Like, David Bell is very kind of like obvious with this. Like if he is warming up a guy while the reds are hitting, that guy's coming into pitch. I don't know why we have to have a rule that states that guy has to now come into pitch. It just seems like we're being captain obvious about that. That's that, that's a weird rule to me, the more that I think about it. And you know, there are some sporadic examples throughout baseball where a starter appears to be done and then goes back in the lot, the dugout and lobbies his way to get to go back out. This would dampen that if the manager had already got somebody starting to warm up. I, I, I don't know. This is if this one is very odd to me, Jeff, of all of these that we've talked about, this one I think requires a little bit more explanation from major league baseball. And obviously it won't be a good explanation, but at least an explanation to try and figure out how they want this thing implemented. Uh, as, as far as the other ones, I, I really don't care about the whole base runner thing. Um, yeah. Whatever. They run all over the place in the dirt anyway. I think it's just formalizing what the what the arrangement is anyway. Uh, with the the shaving of the the clock, you know, it was fast enough for me. Um, you know, you said you know you liked the pitch clock. I liked the pitch clock when I was watching games at home. Mm-hmm. I did not like the pitch clock as much when we were at the ballpark. Uh, it really limits your ability to go and do things between innings. And in fact, that's why you and I now hardly ever sit in our seats, right? We go True. post up at an area that's convenient to obtain um, the products that are available at the ballpark. Yes, yes, yes. Refreshments, we'll say. <laughs> so, you know, we don't sit in our seats anymore because of that. So for me, I don't want it to get a whole lot faster. I think uh, if anything, they found the sweet spot, leave it alone. But, you know, um, the baseball powers that be are opposed these days to just leaving it alone and letting it be. So I have to, I just have to see more on this, on this warming up and, and Jared on vinyl kind of says a thought that I also have in my mind sounds more like an injury concern rule for having pitchers warming up and, and, and calming down so much in the bullpen. Um, there, there were definitely a lot of iterations of that with the reds where it'd be like, Oh, you know, Jabot got up in the sixth and he got up in the seventh. Well, he's finally coming in the eighth. And we've talked uh, with multiple people about, you know, warming up is still part of a pitcher's regimen. It's not like he warms up and that's not taxing on his arm. That's still taxing on his arm. But I could see this being Rob Manfred saying, well, yes, this rule is player safety. But I don't really know that it, I, I don't really know that it solves that much because you could still get a guy up while you're pitching multiple innings. Right. And we're reading this yeah. as it only applies if you warm a guy up while you're hitting right i mean right you can still get a guy warming up in inning while your guy's on the mound and then decide not to use him that's how i'm reading it anyway Uh, again i agree i agree this is just breaking news folks we're gonna we're gonna spend more time talking about this when major league baseball has spoken whatever gibberish they're gonna speak uh but for me i just my my gut reaction is i don't i don't like it i don't like shaving more time off i don't like them to continue to complicate pitching changes uh 
the the mound visits. I don't know that we spent any time talking about the mound visits. They shaved the mound yeah. visits from five to four. Um, I guess it really doesn't matter all that much. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, you can, I, I don't. Mean, fine. I don't know how how much that helps. To be honest with you, like I I think they did a good job by shaving it down to five. And mm-hmm. I, because, you know, there, there were some games where it was just like, oh, my God, will we, we throw a pitch? Stop going out to talk about it and just throw a pitch. But now it's like, OK, five, what's the difference between five and four? Like, I don't I don't get that at all. But those are the new rules. We will continue to discuss those as more come out. I'm interested to hear what you guys think about that. Let me let us know in the comments section down below, because we are about to move into the point of the show where you drive the ship. Before we get into your questions and comments, I just want to take a minute and remind you that you can follow us between episodes. You can follow uh, Jeff and I on X, Twitter, Twitter X, whatever it's called these days. Are we still tweeting? Are we Xing? That sounds dirty. I don't know what we're doing, but you can follow us over there. You can follow Jeff at Jeff Carr. That's Jeff with three Fs. You can follow me at S Offenbaker. That's with and you can follow the show at Locked On Reds. Also, if you haven't done so yet, get over to our Discord server community. Uh, join in the conversation. We talk Reds. Uh, there's uh, some extra channels for Bengals, for Off Topic, for Breaking News, for Bashing David Bell. Whatever you want to do, we got a spot for you to talk about it. So uh, if you want to join us over there, the link will be in today's show description. Come join us. We want to talk baseball with you, and we want to talk baseball with you right now because we're going to get into your questions and comments and there have been a lot already in the chat section i'm going to go back to the beginning to find it because i do want to talk about this guy but if you didn't watch again if you didn't watch today's earlier episode we spent a lot of time talking about what the 13 player position group was going to look like and a name that we did not mention during that conversation at all jeff is nick martini and Joshua asks, someone please tell me if Nick Martini is getting DH starter looks. I thought he was really great when he pitch hit. Um, well, if you look back at that episode from earlier today, I if everyone's healthy and the season started right now with the guys that they have, I don't see how Nick Martini is on the active roster. Starter looks? Absolutely not. He could push Jose Barrero off the roster because I did. I mean, I liked what Nick Martini did, but I think if we really got to set it up, you know, comparing the two players, I think you still say Barrero still has more upside. You could still get more out of Barrero. I kind of feel like we saw what we saw with Nick Martini and that's kind of, you know, the best that we could hope for him. And he was a, it was a fun story and maybe he remains in the organization. Like, as a triple a guy you you know you can call him up you can play first base you can play the outfield you can dh all that other stuff but i don't necessarily know that he breaks into the opening day roster i don't see how he breaks into the roster at all um you talked about him pushing jose barrero i can't see them giving up uh, another right-handed multi-position player to allow for a left-handed outfielder when they're already going to struggle to find left-handed outfielder at bats for Jake Fraley and and Will Benson. So I just don't see how you add another left-hander to the to that mix. Well, and, and isn't um, looking it up right now because I don't want to say something that is incorrect. Okay. Some reason I thought Jose Barrera was a switch hitter. Was he early on, and then he just dropped that? Anyway, whatever. He's been been a non-hitter. I don't know which side of the plate. Doesn't matter what side. But he was not hitting the ball. 
No, he, he wasn't, but I still think, yeah, there, there's still something you could probably glean out of him developmentally. Nick Martini's kind of been a bit of a journeyman, and it was a fun story to see the different things that he was doing for the Reds, but definitely don't think you can expect much more than what he showed the Reds late last season. And, yeah, I mean, we talked about it. This roster is just so full, man, so deep. And, and Jose Barrero is the only guy I could see him pushing. All right, let's move this along. Branch Brown checks in. Hey, Branch, how you doing? He says it's hot at the ballpark. You got to stay hydrated. That in response yep. to our posting up for yep. refreshments. You're absolutely right, Branch. It's hot. It's hot down there once you get into the dog days. Uh, JRT says first, snow. Yeah. yeah, snow to the Reds. Um, you know, we talked about this a little bit earlier today, too, and it doesn't hurt to rehash it just for a minute, Jeff, because – uh, you know, we were kind of wondering the impact of the Glasnow extension, you know, and what that means for a guy like Snell. And I, I think it automatically raises his, you know, average value per season from by at least $5 million now, because the money that Glasnow got was what the neighborhood we were looking at. And, and the same neighborhood that spot track had Snell at, you know, was where Glasnow landed. Uh, I think Snell's the better pitcher. Uh, Snell's representation is not going to let him take the same kind of deal. He's going to get more money now. Uh, and that probably, you know, I thought it was realistic to have the Snell conversation at the recommendations that like where he landed on spot track, where we were looking at him $25 million a season. I don't think that he's going to land there anymore. And I don't think it's realistic to think that the reds are in that conversation any longer. I don't even know that it's the average annual value that kicks the reds out of the conversation. I kind of still had him as a long shot, but I didn't think that it was because of the money. I think it's because of the years. I, one of the things we didn't talk about with Candelario in the first segment that we've mentioned a couple of different times before every dayers will know, this is something that we've talked about before is that Candelario's deal while it is a multi-year deal still ends before any of the big time youngsters really hits arbitration like like ellie mclean all those guys they don't hit arbitration during the course of jamer candelario's contract blake snell's gonna get five years minimum he might get six seven eight years from a really big market team that's going to be the biggest problem for the reds to get a guy like blake snell because he's 30 a guy like that for the Reds, you really at most want to give him four years, and maybe that fourth year is like an option year or something like that. I don't think that that's going to get it done for him. He's gonna like his his agent will probably be like, "Look, we start at five years, and then we're gonna go higher than that." I don't think the Reds have any problem, and I'll show this graphic because I, I've been I keep holding on to it just you know just in case we need it, and I feel like it's relevant right now for our YouTube folks. It's the money spent. Now you can add. Um, you can add probably about 30 million, I think, between the three free agent signings and a couple of other moves that they've had. Um, and then you add in, you know, um, the arbitration players and things like that. Their payroll right now is probably only around 85 million, 90 million, something like that. Um, they could go out and get another guy like that, but I don't necessarily know it's going to be, you know, for five, six, seven, eight years, something like that. That's not going to be what they're looking for. No, I, I think I think you're right, and I don't know where I still land on this starting pitcher thing, Jeff. I mean, you know, I was against it. I said we didn't need it. You spun me around, and now we're kind of back in the camp. Well, what if it doesn't happen? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. You know, this is Grant asks this. Grant says, if the Reds do nothing else this offseason, are you content with the moves they've made? 
Probably not. Um, you know, we identified three areas that we thought should be addressed, right? Three areas yeah. that we really felt needed an upgrade. That was a right-handed bat for the outfield. They didn't do that. That was addressing the bullpen, stabilizing it, making it stronger. I feel like they did that. They went out and made some moves there. And then a spare part for the starting rotation, whether it's a mid-level guy or an ace to lead the things you were, you know, adamant that they needed to go get somebody and they have not done that. So for me, they've only done one out of the three things that we identified that were needed to make this team a true World Series contender, something to to really push this team forward. Having only done one, am I content? No, I don't think that I am. This is interesting to me because I don't know that it's pass fail. Like I think there is fail, content, excited, and ecstatic. I think I'm content with the moves that they've made right now, but I wouldn't call myself excited for the moves that they've made right now. Like I think what they did, like if you grade their off season at this moment, I give them like a C plus because there's still moves that should be made. I, I would like at least one more bullpen arm. And if all things being equal, I want another starter, at least a, con- a, a, a consistent presence in that rotation that, you know, you're going to get 25 to 30 starts out of, and they're not going to be, you know, 25 to 30 good starts, not 25 to 30 Luke Weaver starts. I really think that there's still moves to be made. And I think that Nick crawl is not done. Look, there's still plenty of time. We're still talking about two months before spring training games even happen. But as of right now, the Reds have not done enough to get me excited. To your earlier point, the Reds currently are 23rd in Major League Baseball for team payroll at $75,093,333. So there's still plenty of room for them to add and still be well under league average as far as I'm concerned. Is that league counting average- in like arbitration and stuff like that too? Yeah, that's this is I'm looking at spot track right now. Um, okay. League average, league average right now. 125 million so they're at 70 league average is 125 there is room. that's why the the dollars don't bother me it's the years that bother me so that makes sense to me uh debbie brown asked a question it's something we haven't touched on and it is a real downer but um i do i I do want to talk about this for a second because i think she might be right uh in in this point uh jake fraley might not play or might be out for a significant period of time in 2024. Uh, There was an announcement from the Reds and the Fraley family uh, that one of Jake Fraley's daughters has been diagnosed with cancer. Uh, It's uh, it's a terrible situation. I I, I just lots of prayers for the Fraley family, but this is, this is a valid, this is a valid point that Fraley may be at times unavailable in 2024 as he tends to his family as he should. So, you know, we don't have any, uh, behind the scenes insight to this. I don't know that that's been discussed, but you have to feel like it's on the table if it needs to be. And, you know, I think the Reds uh, will prepare for that. Uh, You know, our Nick Martini conversation earlier, he could be a guy that could fill in in a limited role if Fraley needs to have some time away from the team. Uh, It's definitely something that we're going to monitor. It's definitely something to pay attention to. uh, And I, I just truly feel you know, awful for the Fraley family and just nothing but the the best, best wishes for them for, for their child to have a, a speedy, speedy recovery. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's some things that are bigger than baseball. So if that's, if that's what happens, there's absolutely no, I mean, no problem whatsoever with that. And I, I think the Reds have the kind of depth, not necessarily to replace him, but to, to fill in that role and, and be able to kind of move the roster accordingly. But yeah, that, that was a bummer to hear. 
Carrick Melvin checks in. Carrick, how are you doing, my friend? If I can get my button to work here. Uh, Carrick says, add Tay Oscar Hernandez and call it good. I don't want another pitcher. This is where I started, Carrick. I mean, this is exactly where I was. Uh, I'm still on the Teoscar Hernandez bandwagon. It would not hurt my feelings one little bit if they announced that signing today. Um, mm -hmm. As far as not going and getting a pitcher, I, you know, Carrick, I, I mean, I was right there with you. Jeff and I argued about this on a lot of episodes. If you jump back in the archives, but um, I've been spun around a little bit, not only by Jeff, but talking with James Rapine, talking with Lance McAllister, um, you know, you can't, you can never have enough pitching. Um, and with the financials looking like they do, uh, I, go, yeah, sure. Go get a guy that's a number one, a number two, but do it. There's no reason to, there's no reason to not do it. I think is really what yeah. I'm saying. Uh, and if I, they were, if they were to go get Tay Oscar also, um, I would change my rating of the off season. If that's all they did, if they made that one more move, I'd be content with what they did this off season, ready to face opening day and, and let the starting pitcher chips, you know, land where they land. But um, I need them to make one more of those two things. You know, we talked about this on our show and I forget which, which guest that we had, but um, it was with a guest. And basically what I said was, you know, we've identified the three things. I need two of three to consider it a successful off season. And, and we haven't done that. And I don't know if it was Mo, I don't know if it was Lance, but I need two of three. Might have been with Chad now that I'm thinking about it. Cause I think Maybe. we, we did kind of discuss like what would make this off season successful. I just, I would love to ask her Hernandez. So yes, hundred percent agree on that first part. The not adding a pitcher thing. It still feels like we're betting far too much on guys coming back healthy. And we bet on that last year uh, when it came to Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo and Graham Ashcraft. And they still spent time. Uh, neither one of those guys got 30 starts. I want somebody to get 30 starts, at least one. And and I talked about this the other day, and I got really excited just imagining it. Like if you had multiple guys that got 30 starts on this team with the talent that is in this bullpen, like go on baseballreference.com right now and look at the top 12 war guys from last season. Four of them were bullpen pitchers. And I don't think there's a lot of teams that could say that. Now, you can make the argument there should have been higher war from other players and things like that. But still, the bullpen was such a big part of last season because they had to be. I don't want them to have to be. And I feel like if we just go into next year expecting guys to take a step forward, expecting guys to be healthy all the time, we're just doing the same thing that we've always done as the Reds are doing um, that they, they really need to add one more. They had one more starting pitcher. I'll shut up about it because I think that that's enough. But uh, I, I think no, right now I don't believe not for a minute. And on that note, for the audio only listeners, that's where we're going to wrap up this edition. The rest of the Q&A will come at you as a bonus episode in your feed a little bit later today. For the video folks here live on YouTube, stay right here. Uh, we're going to wrap it up and keep going with your questions and comments. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Reds. Thanks so much for tuning in today for your first and second and Probably your third listen when that bonus episode drops. Make sure you are subscribed. Uh, hit us up on Twitter X. Hit us up on the Discord. We want to talk baseball with you. We are going to continue to monitor the rumors and the transactions and pay attention to what's going on out there. Gather it all up and bring it back right here to keep you locked on Reds every single day.